how you want to do this. <laughs> Where should we start? I'm Sultana. I I don't know who I am this morning. <laughs> Maybe. And together we are salami. No. <laughs> two brown girls. Two brown girls. We're just two brown girls who Thank like you. cheese. Just just feed us cheese. <laughs> Just feed me cheese, all, all the cheese, and all the chocolate, all the cheese, all the chocolate. Yeah. If it starts with CH, we're good. Yeah. And have a calorie free day. <laughs> you dressed up for me. I, I thought maybe you were going to wear the shirt, the shirt that we have, the same shirt, the identical oh, shirt. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, uh, my psychic powers for not working this morning. I, I don't know. I felt like. I haven't worn makeup outside of maybe, I think, three or four occasions since February. So I woke up this morning and I thought, I'm going to do a thing. I should maybe, you know, dress like I'm going to do a thing. Mm. So, yeah, I did not shower, okay? I just want to <laughs> make that clear. I showered last night. And then this morning, I was like, let me make my face look like I think, maybe I think, some stuff happened. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It looks like you stuck your face in a grand box. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did. I found the fuchsia crayon. Yes. And I just, you know, with the giant fist, just, you know. All well, over I, my mouth. I wore makeup too, but I forgot how to apply it clearly. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird talking live. I'm so used to listening to Marco Polo's. I know. You listen to the whole thing and then you consider, respond, or sometimes react and just blah. Yes. Can I tell you, um, when we're talking about the makeup, I just had this flashback. I don't know if you had one of these when you were growing up, but... It was like this round, it was this round tin and inside was like powder and oh, yeah. it was like a little puff on top <laughs> and you would like puff it and go poof, 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 poof. Oh, I know the puff. <laughs> Do you remember those? Oh, I remember those. I have a bad story about one of them. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> tell me, tell me your story. Okay, fine, fine. So uh, I was uh, a press secretary for a congressional campaign. This was many, many years ago. Because you're and so old. Because I'm, I'm old. Well, I was in my 20s. You know, I'm 40. I'm not. I'm, I'm not 50. A... 50 years old. <laughs> I <know>. can kick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for the, our listeners, she's not 50 years old. just want you to know in case you're looking up her, what, if she uses oil of Olay or what right now. <laughs> Pons girl, let's just make it clear. Although you look good. You look the same as you've always looked. You really do. It's amazing. But uh, I, this was the first TV appearance for the candidate. And uh, he had some uh, uh, coloring issues on his face. And mm -hmm. lovely man, lovely, wonderful man. And I went to put makeup on him. And I, <laughs> the campaign manager had just said, you know, bring and I asked like what is what are his shades whatever they just said bring whatever you have and I had that exact powder <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so here we are sitting to the side of this studio 
<laughs> and I've never put makeup on a man, mind you. And I take out that poof <laughs> and I put it on his face. And I don't know how much of that powder had been sitting there for how many years. Oh no. It just like a bomb. <sighs> yeah. Dust everywhere. Blind. And he's just sitting there. He's like, everything okay? I'm like, <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Everything's fine. I have it under control. And I'm trying to like blot it all out. Blot it all out grabbing whatever I can. Oh my God. In Indian style. Let me find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a disaster. I managed to, I managed to sort of blend it in and <laughs> he could go on TV. Oh man. Wow. That's, that's nuts. I don't know why. Like all of a sudden I'm like, I'm craving one of those. Like I just, I want to like wake up and go poof, poof, poof. <laughs> And just walk out through a, a mist of, a mist of smoke. Yeah. And or, make sure you have one of those old timey perfume bottles. Too, yeah. Then you can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I totally want, I want all those things. Yes. <laughs> so we're talking about 2020 and I was thinking about. No, no, no. You did it wrong. This I, is what did I do? 2020. <laughs> I'm Baba Wawa. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to do that? Oh my God. Like since I was 10. <laughs> you were made for this moment right I now. I was. I was. I've made it. I'm done. Quota met. Goodbye. Check. <laughs> Check the box. <laughs> People are going to listen to this and be like, all this is is two girls laughing. Two yeah. brown girls laughing. Ha ha. Ha ha. We haven't even gotten into the accents. No. The accents. I almost made chai for you this morning, but then I got, I ran out of time. Yeah. You do need to dedicate a certain amount of time to quality chai. And I was not willing to drink unquality chai. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to rough it this morning. Exactly. I want the real stuff. Uh, What is your chai process like how do you make your chai well you have informed my chai process most that's of, right most of my chai teachings were watching my father the biggest teaching was do not use this pot for anything else you know that was the main chai there's a chai pot yeah Nothing else is supposed to we had a chai pot. we had a chai pot as well yeah very holy and i would watch him put the cardamom in and I would watch So did him. he just put it in or did he like crack it open? Like He just threw it in there. He just threw it in. He just threw the, he threw the cardamom in there. And I remember him throwing uh, loose tea. He used loose tea. Okay. And, and he would throw it in there. And um, then he would turn his back and tell me, you can't see this. I'm doing other things. And this oh yeah. Secret process. And he throw secret a bunch ingredients. Of Every person who makes chai has their secret ingredients that they think no one else in the face of the earth has ever put into chai. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then I just remember as a child watching it, like when he put the milk in, that's what I loved because it would start to bubble over yeah. and you know, God forbid it bubbled out of a pot and exploded. He had to start. Did you guys have a gas stove or did you have an electric? No, it was an electric stove. So it take, it took a long time. 
you know, yeah. like a, an electric stove, you had to kind of sit oh, yeah. and sit and sit. And, uh, and then of course that, that little bee will just, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden it shoots out of the pot and you're just like, no. I say that because then there's, you know, usually explicit words flying around. Yeah. 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 There, there always were with my father there, but <laughs> for sure. So we had a gas stove and I, I was, it was my job. My mom trained me young. She's, she was like, all right, you need to learn how to make this and it needs to be ready at five ten because my dad's train was, I, it got, it got into town at five Oh five and it would take him about five minutes to walk from the train station to our house. Mm. So at five Oh five, that's when I would start getting all the ingredients. And, um, I remember the cardamom pod. I just want to say like, I started off cracking cardamom pod open. And now as I've gotten older and I have so much more anger, I beat the crap out of that thing. Like I take the mortar and pestle and I'm like, (laughs) you know, just like pounding at it. It feels good, right? No, it's great. You see that thing bust open. You're like, yeah, die. And then you throw that in there. (laughs) (laughs) So death inspires your child. Yeah. Oh, of course. (laughs) All of the greatest drinks are inspired by death. (laughs) So you put that in there. And then um, like a very basic, basic chai. You would have your cardamom pod and um, you'd add your tea bags. So mm-hmm. add, I think I added, I think it would be two tea bags because it was my mom and dad who drank it and they liked it strong. So one cardamom pod, two tea bags, and then I would add four teaspoons of sugar. We have this like, Ooh, that's yeah. a lot of sugar. Well, it was the eighties. So, <laughs> If it wasn't cocaine, it was going to be sugar. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and we, I remember we had, we had this um, very like interesting shape spoon and it was just for the sugar. It was like very round. It wasn't like a regular spoon. We, we couldn't like eat with the spoon. It was just the sugar spoon, That's you know? Right. It was like really thick. It was like golden, maybe holy. I don't know. (laughs) So we would like take four of those, dump that in. And then I think I would add, I think I would add like a cup and a half of water. I always added a little extra because it would evaporate. Mm -hmm. So, and then you boil it. And then I remember like it would be this really rich, dark sort Mm -hmm. of, Car- oh, that's the good stuff. Caramelly color. And then you you always like waft up smell the, the yeah. smell, right? And then then you'd go get the milk and you'd pour it. And I, this was always where I'd mess up. I'd either add too much milk, which mm-hmm. was like the worst. Now you've just ruined all of the chai. Or I wouldn't add enough. And then I'd have to add a little more and then I'd go over Mm-hmm. So, but the you trick have to get was, it the right color. Oh yeah. So you, you have to add the exact perfect amount. And I remember it would need to look like the color of my, my skin. That's what, that. that was my test. My test was like, does it look like my hand? If it looks like my hand, it's the perfect color. So, and then you 
you watch it boil. And you know, if you watch anything boil, it takes two years. But the second you turn your back, (laughs) the second you turn your back, this thing has exploded all over your gas stove and you Mm -hmm. can hear your mother cursing. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's why I said, I mean, chai is supposed to be this peaceful process. No, there's all it's war. Explicit words coming out. I mean, I remember my father taking the pot and throwing the entire pot into the sink and, and then storming off out of the kitchen. He wouldn't even, you know, later he would maybe come and try again but it was yeah. uh my job sometimes was to watch the pot yeah oh and call for him totally. and i was terrified that <laughs> you wouldn't call soon enough and you wouldn't yeah. make it in time i mean i watched that thing like it was waiting for godot yeah know? so yeah i i learned not to turn my back do not turn your back on the chai. No, I learned, I learned that at a young age, but yeah. So now it's a much more peaceful process. I find that like when I make my chai, I don't want to be hurried. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, for our listeners, uh, our one (laughs) listener, thank you. Um, (laughs) uh, this is our girls and chai conversation. So, (laughs) so I always like to, I, I found like, I like a certain order of ingredients. Even I like to put a little ginger in the water first. Yeah. And I have, I put exactly, I think it's a cup and a half of water. Same. Yeah. A little bit of ginger. Um, I know it probably tastes better with fresh ginger, but I use ginger powder. And you never measure these ingredients. You just put what you feel is right. Intuitive. It's intuitive. I I like to throw um, two cloves in, sometimes three if I'm feeling spicy. Ooh. Uh, You know. (laughs) A couple of the cardamom pods yeah, and uh, my secret ingredient. Um, I'll let you wonder what that is. <laughs> and I put a little bit you of- You spit in it. Take <laughs> that, baby. Um, I put a baby amount of sugar because I've been cutting sugar out of, yeah. out of a lot of my diet for the last year. And in fact, I made a mistake this morning when I made my coffee. I bought the wrong half and half and it was sweet cream sweet. half and half. And I didn't know it was sweetened. And I took a sip of my coffee and I spit it out. That's why I was a few minutes late this morning. Because I had to then go and pour it out. And it was the creamer's fault. It was the creamer's fault. So I had to find the standard creamer because I cut sugar out of my coffee years ago. And so I just like a little, I have a little baby teaspoon for, that I use for mm-hmm. my chai. And then same thing, like you watch it, let it get dark. Like my hair. Yeah. My hair is kind of the color that yeah, it it's is. brown. And then... And then I like to put um, the the milk in, but a lot of times because I don't keep milk um, in my house most of the time mm-hmm. these days, I, I just use cream. Yeah, and then it gives it a richer flavor. True, almond milk is good too. I've mm-hmm. I've used almond milk. It's it's not as rich, but it still it still tastes pretty good. You live in a colder climate mm-hmm. than I do. So it would also be appropriate to throw in some cinnamon, like a piece of a cinnamon stick. Oh, yes. I do put cinnamon in there. Yeah. That. I do put cinnamon in there. That's pretty good. That's part of my secret ingredient mix. (laughs) Ha ha, I guess it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Chai is good. When you were sick, did you, did your dad ever make you chai, but then put salt in it, a little salt in it? I'm not sure if he put salt in it, but he definitely, that was one of the 
few sort of like minor loving acts that my father would yeah. do was to make food. And you've had my father's food. It was so yeah. good. It was so, he would tell me, I cook it with love. Like when I'd ask how he cooked it, I cook it with love, but he would sometimes make chai for me if I was sick, but he didn't often give us chai. He might let us have a sip. It was an adult drink. It was. It wasn't for children. Like we never really drank mm -hmm. it as kids. It was an adult drink. Right. We would have like Ovaltine. Exactly. Ovaltine. Yeah. I drank Ovaltine yeah. like a mother. <laughs> All of the rich kids had the Nestle Quick. Like we weren't allowed to have Nestle no. Quick. It was Ovaltine. It was Ovaltine. Yeah. It was a big tin of Ovaltine. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then like the giant heaping scoop. With the milk. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love that. I like to pretend it was real chocolate milk. Because yeah. we never bought that from the store. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't either. We didn't either. Do you remember yeah. when Sunny D came out and I would oh my, God. my parents, yes. like, can we have Sunny D? But they were like, no, <laughs> you know, they want, they bought that standard Florida orange juice gallon. We, I think I remember us having Sunny D and it was like really tart. I just very. remember like very tart, but like when you're a kid, like you're like, yeah. And you don't know it's not real. It's that sugar. Yeah. You were a junkie. You were a sugar junkie. We all were in the 80s. I mean. <laughs> parents were just like, shut up, sugar. Without sugar, I don't know that I would be alive today. Yeah. Well, we I fall into that. Know. We fall into that band between like Gen X and millennial called the Xennials, they call us. Yeah. Because we are technically. We're X-Men. Yeah. Yes, that's right. X-Women. <laughs> <laughs> so we're technically Gen X, but we are right on that cusp. Yeah. Where we have picked up some of the old millennial traits, but then we have these younger Gen X traits. So we yeah. know what, like we grew up playing Nintendo. I feel like we are generational stem cells. Like we kind of blend well between both. Yeah. I, I feel like really I've got one foot in that group and one in the other. I agree. It's an uncomfortable split sometimes. <laughs> Well, if you're not practicing, you're stretching. <laughs> How are you going to do your split? Look what I can do. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, but I think to some degree, every generation probably has that carryover where mm -hmm. they're bringing, they're bringing some of the, the stuff that they're parents generation mm -hmm. expose them to what the hell are the kids today <laughs> you know and I'm trying so hard not I'm trying so hard not to like say those things that we grew up hearing adults say mm -hmm. oh kids today they don't respect their parents <laughs> they don't but the good old days <laughs> my mom used to slap me across the face if i <laughs> misspoke no honey that's child abuse now you can't exactly. do that yeah everything's that. different everything has changed mm -hmm. so it is different uh, and then we have 2020 so this has been a weird year. I mean, we're talking about chai, which gets me to thinking about the simple things. And that's what I was thinking about this morning when I think about this year, how the simple things have really 
just created this layer of comfort underneath everything. And I find that returning back to those simple things, whatever they may be, whether it's, and now you can order this stuff online. I mean, when we were kids, you had to like find the right catalog right? or, you know, just wait for the next whatever to come out or, you know, wait till you could beg your parents to take you to Walmart or something and hope mm-hmm. that something was there. And now you can just magically go online and order this stuff. And, yeah. and whether it's an old t-shirt or a popple or <laughs> a caboodle <laughs> or whatever. Caboodles. I still we're... have mine. Do you? Nice. I have, bo- I had two caboodles and I still have them both. Oh, I can't, I can't find my old, old ones, but I have my like adult caboodle that I got in my twenties. I got like a silver adult caboodle. Mm, posh caboodle. It's a posh caboodle. Mm-hmm. Nice. I still have it. I can't bring, bring myself to get rid of it, but just how those simple things, those little reminders can give yeah. you comfort when so much around you just feels really unstable. For sure. I think <laughs> we're living in a time where we don't know how to wait because mm-hmm. everything just shows up within a day, depending on where you live. Like if you're in Montana, it might take a little longer. I remember I sent Andy some packages and it would take him longer through Amazon because there were fewer, um, there were fewer drivers to get those things out. But if you live somewhere like Orlando, mm-hmm. you Which can is order where you it. Live. <laughs> yes. You can order something and it's there as soon as the same day, depending on, what time you order it. Right. So it's really interesting, this sort of juxtaposition between having things you need and want within like a day of arriving, but then being in a position where you have to wait for such a long time to see people, to leave the house, to feel safe out in the world because of this virus. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very kind of, it's kind of funny in a way. <laughs> it's like, oh, we have everything we could ever want, but the thing we want the most right now yeah. is to spend time with people and be social and go to the movies and take an actual yoga class in person right? with people. The things that we took for granted the th- the everyday things the the times that you would cancel on a friend last minute because you were too tired or you had a rough yeah. week i mean what would we give to have those things right now i mean i had i ventured out and i had breakfast with a girlfriend there was um it was a beautiful day and i live in alexandria virginia which is a beautiful old town just outside dc and they have closed down the main street in this old town to put tables out into the street outside these restaurants and i would not eat inside of a restaurant and i have not but um they had the tables spread out really really wide and so i ventured out and i had breakfast outside on this beautiful day with my friend who I had not seen since before COVID. And, uh, and it felt so weird, you know, Mm -hmm. and of course all the wait staff had masks on and, you know, 
I was very, very careful in the way I positioned my body and I sat very far from my friend and everything. And after I would take a bite and put my mask on and that kind of thing, kind of awkward, but, yeah. um, but it felt like this rare sort of joy in the midst of all of this. It's like, you have no choice but to appreciate every moment you mm-hmm. get to spend with another person, especially if you don't live with them because it's, it's unique and it's special and you can't count on it anymore. Exactly. I don't know when I'm going to see some of my family again. And because people have different ways of coping with the, the virus or some people don't wear masks or some people don't social distance or what have you. And some people are out in the world more. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I have to be much more cautious. Like if somebody wants to see me and they're somebody who's going into an office regularly, then I'm, I'm not going to come near that person. I'm going to take my distance and, you know, we can go on a walk outside or something, but I, I can't take my mask off around you or anything yeah. like that. So you just have to exercise additional caution and it's such a strange thing. I'll tell you why I think 2020 happened. I think it happened because people keep telling women to smile. So the universe was like, you know what? I'm going to make everyone wear masks. And you will think twice before ever saying, oh, oh man, you have such a pretty face. Maybe you should smile. Maybe you should wear your mask. I'll tell you, um, I, I never thought I would miss using public transportation. I mean, I, I love public transportation. I moved up from Florida where public transportation I mean, I know it's better now because there's a sunrail and everything, but it was not great back when I lived there, which was... But is it better now? But is it? <laughs> a little better, is it I really? guess. <laughs> a little better, I guess. But it was, you know, a decade ago. And so when I moved up here, for me, it was so exciting to have buses, yeah, have trains, and I could just get on a train and go to another state. They call it the DMV here. DC, Maryland, Virginia, mm-hmm. DMV. And I've, since I've been living here almost a decade, if you can believe that, um, I mean, this is home for me. And, um, and I just, I miss just getting on the train and getting on the bus. But one thing I don't miss is, you know, every once in a while, I, I mean, it's very safe. I've never felt really unsafe, but every once in a while, there would be a guy who'd walk by and say, you know, you would look so much prettier if you'd smile or just smile, girl, smile. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I actually, the, the, the strangest experience was there was a guy who sketched me on the train, actually drew a picture of me on the train, but he drew me smiling and handed it to me as I, as I walked off the train. And I, and I, thought, should I keep this or not? I mean, it was art, right? It was like street sure. art or it was Metro art, I guess, subway sure. art, but it was just a strange experience. And, but you just, that sea of humanity. I just remember just being in that sea of humanity, you know, twice a day in the morning, the morning rush, and then the afternoon rush coming home and just going down into the Metro, mm-hmm. kind of stealing yourself and putting on my microphones and listening to a podcast or right. something or music, disappearing into my own world, but being in a sea of humanity. And now sure. like the thought of being in a sea of humanity is it's like- Terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, I don't remember where I was. I think I might've been at Target. 
and I'm wearing my mask and I'm, I was there for a while cause I was doing a lot of shopping and there was just this sense of comfort in a weird way that I didn't have to make eye contact with anyone because they mm-hmm. can't really see my face anymore. I can actually comfortably live in my own world mm. and I don't have to spend a lot of time trying to interpret what someone's uh, the look someone gives me means, mm-hmm. or, you know, am I projecting the face I need to be projecting in order to be in this environment? Right. If you, so I have a, I have what's called um, a turn down. I think it's called a turn down mouth where my mouth like just in its natural resting position looks more frowny than happy Mm. This is also known as RBF, mm-hmm. resting B face. Right. So for we're the not, little we're listeners, not, we're not going for the explicit ratings. No. You can play this in front of your kids. Yes. Um, <laughs> resting, resting B face. I have that. Mm-hmm. It is something I have pride in because I feel like a smile is earned. <laughs> you want to smile, do something. Yeah. Um, but this seems to really affect a lot more people than, than people talk about. Like, this is not a thing people talk about that often. Like, why is this just a woman's problem? Mm-hmm. Why is this not a man's problem? My dad has RBF. We grew up, we grew up knowing that my dad's natural expression was that of like Mm -hmm. meanness. Right. And so that's- And your dad is a wonderful human being, just warm and loving and ready to make you a cup of chai. Yeah, no, my dad is, um, he is definitely a nurturer. He's- He's my pop and I love him a lot, but he's a scary face sometimes. Yeah. Especially when you're a kid and it's hard for you to identify um, moods. Mm -hmm. Like it takes a little bit of effort to infer like, are you mad at me or is that just your face? And so I think when you're a kid, this is why people tend to smile more at children to let them know that they're safe. But why do so many adults need you to smile at them if you don't feel like smiling? Right. Like, doesn't this belong to me? Doesn't this face, doesn't my ability to express an emotion, isn't that my choice? And why aren't men policed the same way? So this mask thing, I don't hate it. I actually Mm -hmm. love it. It's like, Mm -hmm. I can relax now and I don't have to smile at every person they make eye contact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a silver lining of the gift. The only thing I'll say is when you forget and put lipstick on, oh, forget <laughs> it. lipstick forget on the inside it. Oh, of the God. mask, I've ruined a few masks doing that. So, so but, I wear chapstick a lot and then there you go. I'll take the mask off and then there's all this like fuzz from the, from <laughs> my mask on my lips. <laughs> Like, damn it. <laughs> or if we're going old school, we should go and try to find some of those Bonnie Bell 
lip gloss. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, I do. I do. I do. (laughs) I do. I do. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. That is a, that is definitely a silver lining that I hadn't really thought about. The other thing too, is I feel like walking around, um, and you and I are more spiritual. Um, we are of a spiritual flavor where we pick up on energy. We're both empathic and that brings with it its own sort of set of considerations. So, you know, we pick up on energy, but I do feel like walking around, you see people who wear masks or don't wear masks and you sort of kind of go, I know who you are. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. When I see someone wearing a mask, my first thought is, Oh, you care. You care. You care. Thank you. Thank you for caring. Yes. Um, and when I see someone who is not wearing a mask, I think, oh, you don't care. Yes. And that's all I think. I don't think anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. It's just as simple as Same. this person cares, this person does not care. Right. Right. And that to me speaks volumes about if you're someone I'm going to want to interact with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is interesting how, um, how that has become a symbol of caring and compassion. And I, and I do feel like that's the the point that sometimes gets missed in all of this, Mm -hmm. you know, because like they say, freedom isn't free, right? No. It's not. It's not, right? And this is just another aspect of it. Um, but we all have that role to play. So what are some of the spiritual sort of lessons or the meaning behind 2020? I know we've talked a little bit about some yeah. of the silver lining things. I think this mask situation, <clears throat> when, when COVID-19 was sort of first on everyone's radar. One of the things, I think one of the initial things that we had heard was that wearing the mask protects everyone else more than it protects you. Mm-hmm. Like it, it prevents, um, <clears throat> it's better at preventing you from releasing the virus versus you from receiving the virus. Right. So it kind of put into context this idea that by wearing a mask, you are trying to think about others more than you're thinking about yourself. And then of course, later we found out that it does actually protect you as well. Mm -hmm. But that initial sort of piece or understanding that I had of wearing a mask made me really think about how as a as a society we are slipping further and further and further away from considering everyone else mm-hmm. to to just being more sort of self-centered or self-centric i should say and focusing on our own needs and the health of a society in my opinion really only improves when we are thinking about our neighbors, when we are thinking about the betterment of the people around us. So I thought this whole mask thing was very symbolic of kind of a force to action of like, when are we going to start thinking about 
not just ourselves and our own needs, but the people around us mm-hmm. and, and helping them and doing something to help one another. So that was one piece I thought. And then, you know, everything shut down for a while. And then you start seeing all of these beautiful stories in nature of how it starts bouncing back. And I thought, wow, that's a really amazing lesson. None of us ever would have thought we could have not driven our cars for a month Mm -hmm. or not um, gone out and, you know, eaten out or gone shopping or I don't think a lot of us would have really given up the things we had given up if there was some sort of environmental reason to do it. Mm-hmm. And the byproduct of that was we learned we're capable of it mm-hmm. and that good things can come from it. We can do hard things as a society. We can do hard things. Quoting Glennon Doyle. Yes. We can yeah. Do we can things. do hard things for <laughs> sure. It's funny you mentioned that I have her book right here untamed that I'm reading. Ah, uh, I yeah. love her. Yeah, she's great. great. But but we're all these things that we never like we may have thought like, oh, it would be nice to do that one day, someday. Mm -hmm. Now we're being forced to do it. Now we're being forced to stop everything. And we're doing it. We've Mm -hmm. done it. So it's like the motivation behind some of the decisions that we're making as a society, maybe we can do them for a higher purpose and not just because there's a pandemic and we're being forced to by our governing bodies. That's next level. Yeah. Next level compassion, Amy, that I love that. The other thing I was thinking about too is adaptation. Mm -hmm. You know, science is not a static thing. Science evolves. I've been a part of a lot of lots of conversations with scientists in my career and have had the opportunity to have, you know, these up close conversations and interactions with them. And I consider myself a, sort of a scientist of, of thought. <laughs> I'm very interested in the mind and in the spiritual landscape um, and relationships but science evolves. We, we evolve. The, you know, we're sitting here talking about caboodles and Bonnie Bell, you know, lip gloss. That was all we hungered for as teenage yeah. girls. But now, you know, we think about things like I want to be able to pay my bills at the end of the month. Very adult things like, sure. like you're in the process of renting out a property that you mm-hmm. own. And that's a very adult thing. I, you know, I am going through lots of adult things on my end. And, you know, it, it just shows that like we evolve, we adapt over time, but some people don't. Yeah. Just like science evolves. Like you were talking about the masks and how at the beginning, the reason we were not advised to wear them was because there were not enough to, at that time, the pandemic was in its infancy. Mm -hmm. It had not, become this widespread event yet. And so mm-hmm. it was like, let the masks go to medical essential personnel who are dealing with patients. Higher exposure. Yeah, exactly. That was it. And so some people misread that as I don't need to wear a mask ever. And yeah. they're still stuck in that sort of what I would call like an agreement mm-hmm. or a truth. And the reality is that 
agreements change over time as we evolve. Our own agreements and ethics change, right? There's things that I believed or thought were true when I was younger and less educated. And then as I got an education, I went out into the world, I realized some of the things I thought to be true were in fact not true, like you talking about smiling. I used to think it was my job to smile and to make the other person comfortable. That's because of the empath. The empath too. Yeah, absolutely. It's grooming. It's, it's, um, it's a lot of the behavior that we're taught as women that we're supposed to follow. It's the culture of being a woman in the modern age is you have to do these things or, and that's changing now. Thank God it's starting to change, but you have to unlearn a lot of that stuff in order to save your sanity. It's so true. And so part of this process is what, what are sort of the truths or agreements that I can let go of that I can release? What is keeping me actually trapped? Because you can be inside of a house Mm -hmm. and feel trapped. You can also be inside of a house and feel totally free because you're free inside your mind. And so when you think about what are those things that are keeping you locked in your own prison cell, I always think about Nelson Mandela, like locked in that prison cell for what was it? decades Mm -hmm. and how he just exercised his mind and he said he never felt like a prisoner because he was free and so this this piece like really touches on it touches on that idea of the locus of control i know we've talked about this before Mm -hmm. one of the things they teach you i think pretty early on in management classes is the difference between an internal and an external locus control. And I remember taking my class 20 years ago or whatever it was and thinking like this little nugget of information is so applicable to Mm -hmm. so many different areas of life. And it kind of goes like the internal locus of control means that you can manage your emotions and if something happens to you, you are the decider of that, how it's going to impact you. You're the one who takes responsibility for how you handle it and, um, and all of that. The external locus of control really to me falls a lot in line with victim mentality where things are happening to you Mm -hmm. and you blame outer outer influences for why your situation is the way they are. So kind of going back to that Nelson Mandela example, yes, external forces put him in that prison and he could spend the decades he was imprisoned focusing on all of the external things that made him there and fixate on that. But instead, you know, it was presented as though he took responsibility for the landscape of his own mind and, and really took responsibility for his own emotions about what was going on. It wasn't that victim-y thing. I think when you do that, there's so much more available to you. Like there's so much more room 
to grow. Because mm-hmm. if someone else is limiting you, then they have all the power. All of the power goes to the external forces. But if you have an internal locus of control, you are the decider. You are the one that holds the power. And this, I think, really applies to 2020 in a big, big way. There are all of these external things happening, right? We've got a political landscape unlike anything we've ever seen before. Then you have this pandemic. Then, you know, people are losing their jobs and people are getting sick. Lots of people are dying. Um, We're stuck in our homes. We're forced to contend with situations we never, we never thought we would have to deal with. And it's as simple as asking the question, is this happening to me or is this happening for me? Mm. Like, what am I getting out of this? Even though everything feels crappy, everything feels tough, everything feels like there's a lot of pressure. But isn't it possible that this year is going to afford me something I would never have gotten without this pressure cooker? Like, maybe there's some lesson in here. Maybe there's some skill, some emotional or mental skill that I'm going to get from this that I can apply to the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Then that's the difference between this is happening to me. I'm stuck at home. I can't see my family. I can't see my friends. Everything stinks. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, et cetera, et cetera. I can go on versus, wow, I'm, not able to focus on the other distractors. I'm focusing on my internal world and I have to sort of garden and pull up the weeds in my mind and cultivate that land so something can grow. And I never would have gotten to do that if I was distracted by all of the things that I'm happily distracted by when we're not in a pandemic. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have those hour two hours, whatever, to commute to work, you're running into five different directions. Maybe people who have kids had their kids booked in a bunch of different activities. Sure. All of a sudden you have to take that all in. And I think that distinction that you made is so important because some of those things were expendable. Yeah. Some of those things weren't necessary, but you convinced yourself that they were required in order to, I don't know, keep up with the Joneses, Mm -hmm. look a certain way, Um, have your life be a certain way and the realization that you get to choose what and how you participate. I mean, that locus of control is so true because I've had friends change jobs, Mm -hmm. start relationships end relationships, um, you know, make big decisions, right? Move, buy a house. You're an example of someone who bought a house and make decisions that people may not have had the courage to to make. Yeah. They were not in this position, you know, where they really had to stop and and look at their life and go, wow, this is this is not tenable. I can't yeah. keep going like this. And I'm not saying any of this is an easy lesson. It, because I can tell you from personal experience, it is not easy at all. None of this is easy. I mean, we bought a house, we moved. Do you think we would want to have like a housewarming party and have a bunch of people come and enjoy? We haven't been able to do that. Right. And 
you know, renting out the old place, getting that to happen is challenging. And we just got engaged. So yay. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yes. (laughs) I'm an engaged woman now and I'm, I'm an Indian engaged woman. Mm -hmm. Next level. Yeah. All of the, um, events and things that happen when planning an Indian wedding, that's all on hold. All of that is on hold. I am waiting. I am waiting. (laughs) (laughs) But it feels so, I've had, I've been blessed to have a lot of really wonderful things happen in my personal life this year. And it feels so anticlimactic because part of what makes those things special are the celebratory occasions and events and the gathering of family and the gathering of friends and the vacations and the traveling to see his family and all of that. And we don't get to do any of that. So in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm stuck on a shelf just waiting for this thing to be over so I can do all that stuff. So it is a tough lesson to get everything you want everything you've ever wanted in one year and not be able to celebrate it. I think that's what we call 2020 vision, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. Uh, it's, It's frustrating. And, you know, I spend lots of time feeling not great about my situation, but then I have to go back to that internal locus of control and say, okay, what is this doing for me? It's Mm -hmm. really forcing me to think about what is important. It's forcing me to boil things down like that perfect cup of chai, you know, where like you have to get it the exact color and the exact set of ingredients. I'm having to boil everything down because I can't be frivolous Mm -hmm. about my decisions right now. And Since we're going back to the cup of chai example, there's two words that I like to think of when I'm, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling those negative emotions come up um, because, you know, I'm living alone now after, after, you know, six years of essentially living with somebody else. And, and it's, and it's a pretty big change. I'm sorry if you hear my cat. But two, two words that I try to think of um, that come to my mind are pay attention. Mm. Just like when I was that little girl looking at the pot to make sure it didn't boil over. And when we don't, yeah. pay, when we don't pay attention, these secret forces inside of our own mental landscape, and some of them are reacting to what's happening externally, they are going to eventually keep getting louder and louder until we boil over. And we are then faced with a situation that we don't want and we are forced to make a decision. And you don't want to be in that position if you can avoid it. I mean, sometimes, hey, we're in that position, right? Right. That just happens. That's life. But, But I think when you start looking at it and paying attention to it and saying, what is, like you said, what is this trying, what is this situation trying to tell me? What, I feel angry right now, but your anger is never about what you think it's about. Your sadness is never what you think it's about. A lot of people feel angry, sad, lonely, tired, a lot of things. Most of it has nothing to do with the quarantine. 
Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. That's you know, so true. because like I said, I was, I'm living alone now and I feel happier than I have felt in a long time. Yeah. I feel actual happiness and joy inside of me. And, and I'm in quarantine. <laughs> that doesn't make <laughs> sense. But I am, yeah. I am creating, I have, I have this incredible gift of time and space and energy to curate my physical space as well as my mental space and to think about like what are those precious things the bonnie bell lipsticks whatever that i want to <laughs> that i want to keep in my space how do in your i want it all in my in caboodle. Life, caboodle that's right that's right <laughs> we are just the queens of metaphors but what do i want to put in my caboodle this is what i have space for and when i when i put something in here i'm choosing to leave something out yeah. So we have to, just like we would curate our Facebook feed or whatever. Like I've definitely been a fan of the snooze button, especially during the election. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just going to snooze this person because I can't deal with this and I don't want to sit here and contemplate ending this friendship. Sure. But you know, I just need to like snooze this person. But same thing, like this is our caboodle. We're snoozing everything right now. Yeah. Like, like we're snoozing all of the things and we're just focusing on our own feed in a way. Like. And that can actually have this great effect because we can actually become better people as a result of this yeah. year. We can actually realize, oh my gosh, I have been unnecessarily wasting and causing damage to our planet. Like I could recycle more um, or you know what? I don't actually need to spend all this money on makeup. You know, there's just these few precious things sure. that I need or, or clothes or whatever the vice is. That's a huge thing. Like the idea that we had to look and be a certain mm-hmm. way when we left the house, none of us are adhering to that anymore. I mean, I shouldn't say none of us. Some of us aren't adhering to that anymore. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that was kind of surprising that like I value... I valued myself based off of certain elements of my appearance that now I can't maintain or I'm not, I'm choosing not to maintain because it's not safe to like getting my eyebrows waxed. Like I have not done that since pre pandemic Mm. unibrow straight unibrow (laughs) who got some Frito Frito (laughs) hollow stuff going on here. Well, I knew you admired her. I didn't know you wanted to be her. I am her. No. Um, so, but like stuff like that, I don't care about that anymore. Like I'll do it if I want to, but if I don't do it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything about me anymore before it used to. The, the things we're choosing not to do anymore doesn't have to mean anything about us. It doesn't have to say, oh, she's let herself go. Like that whole thing is just gone because we now know what's important. And we're not giving importance to a lot of those superficial things. This Mm -hmm. year took a lot of superficial things away from us. And we don't have to be happy about it, but it happened. And now we've gotten used to not doing a lot of things. So when we bring those things back, the appreciation we'll have for them is so much higher that they won't, I don't think it'll go back to being the rule. Mm -hmm. I think it will go back to being the, I think it'll be the exception. Like we can only hope. 
I, I hope so. I mean, God, there's so many friendships that I haven't actively been maintaining. And now I'm like, I guess I didn't need those friendships. Mm-hmm. It's true. And that's not like anything to say negative about those people or me. It's just sometimes things fall away because it's time for them to fall away. And mm-hmm. that's okay. It's part of the growth journey and maybe they circle back in your life and maybe they don't but there's a lot that's falling away and instead of freaking out about it I'm trying to be more like huh that's interesting like just observing being an observer in my own life of things that are falling away and 2020 2020 has put that smack in my face (laughs) (laughs) well my friend you feed me on a superficial and a spiritual level so thank you for this conversation this was really fun it was nice to catch up fun yeah nice to catch up live too yes all right i love you me too